0: It's time for Running building, the game, the, building game, the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game with friends. Jason and We're friends. The
1: the game,
2: and friends. It's at the end of the episode
1: that's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, May tenth, and you're listening at episode four hundred and sixty-seven. As always, I'm your host, Jason. Here today, hanging out once again with Raven McKenzie. Hey, Raven, how you doing? Hey. Hey, and uh, we also have a special guest that you wanted to invite. Uh, well, you sent me on a mission to find a guest. You said, find <laughs> a guest that can talk about this. Uh, and the guest I found was Mike Mullins. Uh, how are you doing, Mike?
3: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Mike, he is the designer of PentaQuark. Uh, um, for button shy games, and then also, uh, many, many solo versions of games, uh, but specifically the lone cowboy version of Circle the Wagons. I know a lot of people have played Circle the Wagons, that is a fantastic game. Um, yeah, yeah, so you, uh, yeah, h- how have you both been doing? I know, Mike, you were saying you uh, got to play some games physically with people after getting vaccinated, that must have been exciting.
3: Oh my gosh, yeah, it was just this past weekend, and it was the kind of thing that, like, we had all these games lined up and tables stacked full of stuff and we sat down and we just talked for 90 minutes because we were near other human beings <laughs> and oh finally we were like, wait, it's we're so supposed weird. to play things. Let's play the game. <laughs> and so we circled back and finally actually got the games to the table. But it was amazing just to just to finally be near near people again. So all
2: right. uh, that's I just got my first invitation to do something like that in the near future. Um, because I I still need a, another seven days to percolate before I'm ready to to do mm-hmm. those. Yep. Like, oh my gosh, yep. percolate. That's that's
1: fantastic. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> Mine was I finished percolating two days ago, so it was very <laughs> exciting. And my wife was yesterday, so we were a day off. So yeah. Now you have superpowers. Now we have superpowers. I was really bummed. New people were like, "Oh, you're gonna get five G," and I was like, "I hope so." Like my signal <laughs> in my house is garbage. <laughs> you can implant a microchip with this that will give me five G. Like i'm not even gonna ask questions like done. yeah, yeah you know? absolutely my i guess my only question would be could it be upgraded to 6g like eventually when that's a thing? right like, yeah, yeah. during the next pandemic booster? you get 6g yeah. okay yeah. I'm, yeah I'm in i'm um... in oh yeah so uh raven you played any games of late you had a chance to play anything
2: um, of late, i played, oh, I took out uh, Santorini for the first time in a long time. Um, and so oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that and um, Parks has been on the table a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And what else? Um, That's mostly what I've been playing. I think there's something else that's in the back, but it, it'll come eventually. What about you guys?
3: Well, when my... Calendar rolls over to January. I try to play every solo game I own. Oh, uh, nice! So, any any guesses? uh So, you know, we're in the f- end of the fourth month here. Any guesses how many unique solo games I have played so far? I have the number exactly.
1: Oh, wow! If you if you were me, I would say make that promise, and then I would be at zero probably <laughs> or one because I'm awful at that, like remembering to play games.
2: All right, I said like maybe like four. Once a month, like you know,
1: or how many are you? I would bet it, like I would say twenty five, but I bet sixty six. Oh, oh yeah. wow,
3: sixty six unique solo plays. Dedication,
1: right? I don't there. know that I've played sixty six games since right in yeah. January. Sadly,
3: well, I mean that's the that's one of the brilliant things about solo, right? Is I it's true, I, it's true.
1: Yeah,
3: I put my daughter to bed, and my wife and I hang out. We watch our shows, and then I put her to bed, and I got another hour or two that I play a game. And yep. And certainly it's, it's different when, when you're focused, you know, like I'll have, when I have some time, mm-hmm. when I have like 20 minutes, I'll set up a game knowing I'm going to play later. Um, oh, that's,
1: that's smart. That's really smart.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I have, luckily I have like kind of my own space in my game room here. And what I do is I have one of those like recessed tables. Um, so I'll set up like a giant game and then I'll put the tabletop back on. So um, I'll just get to that whenever I can get to it and then I'll set up my game for the night on top and then if I'm feeling really frisky I'll put one out on the dining room table at the end of the table Or <laughs> no, no. so like I've knocked out two games a night sometimes um, but wow. yeah it's, it's sort of a like you know don't buy more unless you're going to play them all so yeah 66 mm-hmm. unique solo plays so far
1: wow That's and I, I mean I have to like that tactic of setting them up ahead of time has to so much increase the chances you're actually gonna play the game. Oh my gosh. Like, at I least can't triple. count the number of times. Yeah. The number of times my wife and I say, hey, will the kids go to bed, let's play a game. We'll play a quick game. Like, oh sounds great. And then we just don't. Like just-
3: Oh yeah, but I mean like full like, on like if you need like score pads, they're all out, you deal starting hands. So like when the kids go to yeah. bed you sit down and you pick up your hand and you play your first turn. Like yeah. it makes all the difference That's in the world. Smart. And you always have time during the day where you're like, you know, waiting for a meeting to start or whatever. So you read the rule book one more time, because like, you know, we've all played a jillion games. You can never remember the rules. <laughs> so know, you refresh right? yourself and 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 that way when it's time to play, you just play. That's that's made a huge difference in getting things played.
2: That's great. I might try that Very sometime. Cool. Because that would definitely yeah help with the actual it's one day to take the box out but you can take the box out and put it back later that doesn't necessarily mean anything
1: oh out. yeah
3: absolutely yeah. you just so get that like, does... those four ounces of work that you did <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the,
1: the benefit to that at least though raven right is that like you at least picked a game because sometimes my wife and i will get stalled on <laughs> what do you want to play like right. and i have 200 board games right like and it's so it's i mean there's just you know and and I mean 175 of them probably aren't a good one to play right now right because they're just going to be too much right um so it's kind of like going through those 25 uh, and trying not to get sick of playing the same ones too often because that always worries me um or thinking like oh I I really want to play this game right now but then I'm like oh the setup on that was a pain and it was too much and Mm -hmm. so yeah. Definitely see where setting it up would be smart. I'm going I'm yeah, to try thing, that. The, the,
3: the, 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 the choosing game, the, the way that we've always done it is um, it's someone's job to narrow it down. So it's like, all right, I'm going to pick six. And then yeah. from that six, the other person just picks like even even if they chop it down to three. And then like you just take right. turns like and, and that makes a huge, you know, because no one can pick from 200. Like that's just a huge pain, you know, Like mm-hmm. yeah. uh, especially in the moment. You can't choose a game when it's time to play a game. You choose a game early like you know going back to the setup thing you can't choose it when you're going to play it cuz it's right right
2: no it's been all that time choosing the game instead of actually playing yeah it.
3: it's just like the fact that i've spent more time browsing netflix than i have watching netflix right <laughs> yeah so much <laughs> same yeah. problem
1: well it's funny you mentioned that too cuz we actually use that process for restaurants like like hey what sounds good like my wife will name a few places and i'm like okay out of those choices i would pick this right mm. um which we both like because i really dislike when someone says to me like we can go wherever you want oh my gosh it's not helpful i'm like what would help me is if you just picked a place and i could be happy about that like your gift to me is that we're going out to eat your other gift to me is that i don't have to decide where it is you know what i like pick a thing that i like so yeah
3: or at least any input at all like the folks that think they're being flexible it's like but you're actually being inflexible because you're refusing to choose. So I, I know this,
1: I know this one person who I shall not name, uh, uh, but we'll definitely not listen to this podcast. Just write it
3: down and hold it up so right. we know
1: <laughs> you won't. It's it's you'd be like, who's that? Uh, but anyways, this person. Um, I also don't trust you, Mike, to not just say the name. Then um, I got to oh. edit it out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Raven would have my back, but like, I don't know. You seem like that would be the tr- that would be a joke you would play, like, oh, so this is the name What's...
3: That uh, anyway, that's more than fair. I gotta say, it's more than fair.
1: But this person will say like where do you want to go? We, I'm really like, I'm super flexible. Where do you want to go? And you'll be like, how about here? And they're like, Oh no. I'm like, okay. Okay. How about this place? And they're like, no. Hey, what about this one super specific place? Like, <laughs> okay, sure. And then that's where we end up going. Cause it's, it's not worth arguing, but it always cracks me up. Cause, cause it's like, just, just
3: yeah, we can you anywhere, to go anywhere as long as Clearly it's this to go there. fusion restaurant that I've right. been wanting to go to for three years. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah and it's like we don't care like we really don't care so yeah 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 well that was a you. good combo about restaurants and oh, game but that's- building the menu podcast i am <laughs> right. curious though how many other listeners out there um do the put the game together thing ahead of time because that's really smart so yeah i, okay. I hope some people do that because that's mm-hmm. that's smart
3: By the way, Um, only three more times do you have to say something that I said is smart, and then you know you've made up for asking me on the podcast. That was our our rule ahead of time. (laughs) So you're just going to say the things that I say are smart, and I'll and I'll come on the show.
1: um well so we did invite you on this podcast for a very very specific reason um and uh there's some stuff we want to talk about which some people may have gathered but uh just in case we have some of our listeners are probably a little slow so um not that
3: not that i'm you know in, in not right. a famous person
1: it's just that they're slow <laughs> um so uh raven you want to you want to talk about this topic we're gonna talk about here
2: yeah, so essentially, I'm um, super curious about uh, solo mode gameplay and just have questions, concerns. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of things that go into it. And so just kind of um, hearing from someone who's done many, many, many solo mode designs, just kind of picking your brain about the do's and don'ts and of, of solo mode game design. Um. And I know there are like a lot of different ways to go about it. And so, and then we only have a fixed, a finite amount of time on the podcast. So uh, I wrote things down to organize the thoughts in my mind, but Jason, if you have questions too, um, because I know one of my first one is just um, when it comes to like designing, you know, you have your, a game designed and then you want to create a solo mode version of it, which is the situation I'm in right now. Um, Generally speaking, how similar should the solo mode be to the multiplayer game
3: the <clears throat> the basic answer is as similar as possible except right like everything else there has to be exceptions so mm-hmm. um, most solo gamers do want to capture the experience of the multiplayer they don't they don't want to feel like they're being handed like a lesser experience like mm-hmm. uh, you know something that, oh, we're going to still use these same pieces, but you're not playing the real game, right? Um, that being said, it's just not always feasible. Uh, very often it'll say things like, you know, put these goal cards back. You won't use them. And like this expansion you can't use. And and sometimes it's just not a reality that you that you can use all the parts. So that's what I mean by, in general, you want it as close as you can get it, except. Um, so So the goal basically is to stay faithful. And then you just hit those decision points where you're like, okay, is it worth adding a whole bunch of cards or a decision tree, or, you know, they have to make a play for the AI just to make it feel like multiplayer. Okay. Now, all of a sudden I'm comfortable backing off and diverting a little bit from the multiplayer experience. So you're just weighing the pros and cons of, all right, this, this, this uh you know whatever it is if it's an automated opponent or whatever it's Mm -hmm. getting really clunky now it's not worth the capturing that multiplayer experience and maybe i go more towards like a puzzle or uh you know um a perfect information you know depending on the game
2: okay that makes sense um you mentioned like um other cards or, or components how often like is it possible and i guess it probably also depends on the game but like the whole notion of adding in components specifically for a solo mode. What are your your thoughts on that?
3: So um, it depends if you're asking as a designer or as a marketer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, solo players love to feel recognized and validated. So if I'm talking to a publisher, I say, give me something, give me anything whether it's like a single die or six Mm. cards or, uh, you know, um, very often something like that uh, Mm. can can validate the experience. Because the last thing people want to feel like is that this is tacked on to capture the solo player market. And I have played lots of those. And, uh, you know, I, I I won't back a game on Kickstarter unless it plays one. Uh, you know, I, I mean, as evidenced by the fact that I have sixty some odd gameplays of solo games, I won't back it unless it plays one. And I've definitely gotten games from I'm like, well, this technically is playable by just me, <laughs> just <laughs> technically, <laughs> you know. Um, so having the investment of like solo only components
0: uh-huh.
3: says to your players, I value your experience, and I'm I value it so much that here's a deck of twelve cards. Here are two dice that I only use for you or whatever it is. You know, here's a play mat. That's for solo. Um, is that required? That depends on the, the game. So, I mean, really the answer is it required could be no. Uh, right. But if you are, you know, if you have four pages of rules and you have to refer to a decision tree, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're playing rule books, the game, you're not playing <laughs> your game anymore. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, th- and there's plenty of games like that, that, that the, the game is in the rules and you got to find the right rule and apply it. And,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, you know, I clearly don't, I don't prefer it. I mean, you can tell from the way I'm talking about that. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I very often will ask the publisher, like, I want, I want 12 cards. I want a die. I mean, when I, when I was talking to about, uh, this is before we started recording, but my first solo design that i did was for luke Petersman when in fun to 11 when they did castle dice and i said i want a resource die so in that game it's a die drafting or dice drafting game so you're building mm-hmm. castles and stuff and it's a you know yuri type thing where you're building stuff but all the resources are on dice to get the nice you know ameritrash feel to it mm-hmm. um so i was like all right well our automated opponent is just going to roll a die and then take dice based on that and um and then everything else was the same. So they would use a standard player mat and they would fill up their resources mm-hmm. and their priorities would be determined by like what they already had a lot of. So all I needed was one die. But I love that that die is actually in the center of like the dice tray, like in the mold, like the uh, the nice. game component mold, the die is in the center of it. And I was like, yeah.
1: <laughs> and to be so. fair, did Luke even notice there was another die in that game? I mean- <laughs> <laughs> there are, there are just a few dice in, in yeah. that one.
3: yeah. Yeah. I still like that game to be honest. That's, that's a fun one. It's a good
1: one. So I, I back that one as well. So yep. I have not played the solo version, but, um, yeah, I've only, and that's, and that's
3: the example. I mean, going back to your previous question where that one plays almost exactly like the multiplayer experience oh. where, um, but it was easy, right? All I, all I had was, I was able to add one die. So you mm-hmm. roll a die. She, uh, they play against Joan because I guess Joan is like Luke's mom and Joan beats him a game. So Joan is the AI. Uh, so Joan <laughs> takes a die um, out of the center. And uh, then you, you know, so you're you're competing against the drafting. They score points. It's nice and easy.
2: So. That does sound really straightforward. It's definitely if there's a lot of rules. Having to dig through the rules, and if they're like, I understand sometimes you mentioned like, there sometimes needs to be exceptions just because of the nature of the game, but if they're if it if it's a completely different game, then that's a, like a, a, different <laughs> a different game.
3: Yeah, and, and really, you know, just about every game could be made solo. It's just a matter of how comfortable you are with all the exceptions and all of the the rules load, and um, you know, sometimes the, sometimes the investment in the rules just isn't fun anymore. You know,
2: right. Um, and so, when it comes to games that have like um, hidden objectives or hidden goals for in a multiplayer game, um, are there certain mechanics, be it that or other ones, that are harder to recreate in solo mode? Or is it just uh, using a different technique to get the same thing across?
3: Uh, well, the best thing about solo modes is that you can cheat, right? <laughs> so, um, so you look like, let's say you have a game where uh, you get dealt quest cards and the quest cards are worth anywhere from like three to seven points. Mm -hmm. Right. Well then every time the other player gets dealt a quest card, he just scores four period done. Mm
0: -hmm. So
3: you have to like do the work and complete them. But if they draw a card four points, they're never going to get seven, but they just automatically get four, you know? So you have to do the work on your end, but, and, and that's way you know, so does that work for every system? Again, it doesn't. Um, but sometimes you just, um, you have to look at what the actual pinch point is. What's the, and that's the term I use a lot, the pinch points. Where's the stress that the other player would apply to you? Mm-hmm. And so in the case of, of hidden goals like that, the the two potential pinch points are number one, victory points, right? Like we don't know how much they're going to score. So maybe... You, you don't want them to all be four because you want an unknown total to compete against. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. They just got dealt it face down. They're going to score it no matter what it is, and they might score anywhere from 37 points. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's that you want them to do different things, right? You don't want them to always mm-hmm. draft the most numerous thing. You don't want them to always take the same uh, worker's placement space, right? So if that's the case mm-hmm. where you want them to behave differently, then that's not about their actual hidden goals. That's just about creating turns that differ. Um, so so really you can, when you think about, not so much the the actual item, okay, the actual item are hidden quests, right? Mm-hmm. But think about how the players interact with respect to that item. So they mm-hmm. interact by outscoring each other and competing for resources that's what you design your solo mode around how yeah. it's scoring and competing for resources you always yeah. design around those pinch points and not the actual thing over here
2: gotcha okay Makes sense. Um, and so like you you mentioned they uh, like because uh, sometimes there's uh ai's involved and sometimes it's just a player playing against the game um just personal preference or if you have a do you have a personal preference I guess between those two or does it really depend on the game and what you're trying to create?
3: Well sure for sure it depends on on the game. Um, I prefer in general I prefer a uh, I don't know not a smart opponent but a opponent that will alter the game state and give me something to compete against right? Mm -hmm. So um there's sort of like um i don't know there's basically like four different categories that would throw all the solos in mm-hmm. there's one where it's just a true solo you just play uh you know feast for odin's a great example you just play uh and then each turn your own pieces block your next turn and then you just keep rotating like you play two colors of vikings and you just block your own pieces there's just a true solo game there's no outside interference you mm-hmm. have to manage your things right mm-hmm. <clears throat> the second would be um, some sort of automated way that um, the board changes okay always discard the leftmost card and you know you know so th- mm-hmm. you have a prescribed way that the board changes <clears throat> the next step up would be sort of like the dumb AI if you will where um, they're going to randomly change the way the game, uh, plays and maybe even score some points, right? So roll a die and they're going to take the, the left quest and score it and then roll a die and occupy that worker placement space. Mm-hmm. Um, that tends to be where I am most comfortable, especially when I design and when I play.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, something I personally value, and again, I stress personally because not everyone feels this way. Something I personally value is very fast turns that aren't mine. Right. <laughs> I want to do my, I want to do my AI turn like that. I want to just be like, okay, flip over a card. It says he does that. Boom. Done. Right. Yeah. Um, and so stage four, um, is the, is the automa stage. And I use that term specifically, uh, automa comes from, uh, Morton Peterson, who works with uh, Jamie Stegmaier a lot and does things like the automa came from when he did the solo mode for viticulture. So there's an automa for site uh-huh. There's an automa for wingspan. Um, and that is like true multiplayer experience, right? Where they play cards, the cards are designed to be smart. They won't take things that don't make sense for their cards and their resources. Um, very hard to design, very sophisticated. Um, and just really well done. Again, I'm, I, by saying that's not where I land is not to say that like, I don't think the Scythe Autumn is brilliant. Like it's, It is an achievement right um Mm. but when i play i have to check the rule book and make sure that i'm moving the automated player the right number of spaces and just again personally that i i don't like that um Mm. so and don't get me wrong scythe is one of the 66 games i have played solo so far this year (laughs) i i still enjoy it right um so it it incredibly well done and if you see Automa Factory on a box, you can trust that it is a robust solo experience. Oh, uh, but that's sort, of the, that's sort of where it lands, right? Mm-hmm. It all depends on what you value and what you want to deliver for your game. Maybe, you know, with a game like Scythe, you have to, if you're going to do solo at all, you have to deliver a robust right. AI. Otherwise, it's not even, the, what's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that slider is, is all about what you're trying to deliver.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the game I'm currently trying to create a solo mode for. Is definitely it's a light like a half an hour, twenty to a half an hour, maybe forty five minutes on the first play, but otherwise it's twenty to thirty. And so for one of those, probably something uh, that would be a misalignment. <laughs> like I mean, sure.
3: All right, so so I I know you probably have more things written down, but I'm not going to let you get away here. So let's talk about the pinch points for your game. So what? Yes, we're gonna do it right now. So what are the um, the ways that players interact in your game?
2: Um. Okay. So the ways that players currently interact. Um. Of course, there's a there's a drawing of um different tokens. Um. From there's a, a communal kind of they're face down. You can grab some, and then those get depleted over time. Um, or there's like a, an open marketplace where you can see which ones they are and then there, there's a finite amount of those and so taking of those and of course the, there's a bit of area control on the board um, and once you put something down it can be upgraded but like that color is there forever and so they each have specific colors and patterns they're trying to recreate on the board and so it's a uh, two players vying for space as they do these things and trying not to help the other person potentially but sometimes doing it anyway or vice versa um and so it's that the area control piece uh and the i potentially the the getting of the additional tokens might be some areas where um that happens uh and the upgrading because you can upgrade just yours or sometimes based on the rules, you have to upgrade both heroes and your opponent.
3: Oh. I know. I like that already. I don't even know how the game <laughs> plays. And I like that. I like when you, <laughs> like, I, I, we just played, um, what is it? Madura, Madura? It's from Haba, where, like, you go around and, like, collect resources and you stack up your workers. And if mm-hmm. your worker's on top, you get three. But the next mm-hmm. worker down gets two. And the next worker down gets one. I mm-hmm. love being forced to give opponents stuff. Like, it's such an awesome decision. I love right. that decision. Is it worth it? Is it? Oh my gosh. It's so good. Yeah. Right. All right. So, so if, so if those are your pinch points, right. Um, mm-hmm. definitely sounds like you don't need a full AI. Like you would just be too much. You wouldn't want to play it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, with there being tokens around the thing that I immediately think of is having a small little like token bag. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, if they draw a token matching the one that is the most prevalent on the board for them, boom, they add, they upgrade one that they already have. If they pull one, that's like their second, then they spread it out. Mm -hmm. If they pull one that they haven't used at all, then they do a different thing or they like draw from the open stack or, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, uh, you can set little rules like that. Um, You could do a small card deck and the card deck, you shuffle it up and you flip it over (laughs) And it says, okay, uh, random pull from a face down and then place on the board, or draft the most common, draft the least <laughs> common, you know, either way, because you're gonna, you wanna, like you said, the draft is one thing and the area control is the other. Right. And it doesn't even matter. Like, I probably wouldn't have them, that's gonna be really hard to make them compete well. So that does sound like a, a score challenge type solo mode where you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna basically like throw in a monkey wrench every turn mm-hmm. and, and dare that player to score points, right? Because no matter how well you do that, they're not gonna be able to play well enough to like upgrade the right things or whatever. Right. Um but yeah, you just you just continue screwing up their board between rounds and <laughs> be like, oh nope, they draft that one you wanted. Oh, they played on that spot. It's right. like I dare you to still score fifty. I bet you can't do it. Like that's there mm-hmm.
2: you go. I could definitely. And do you when when uh, because <clears throat> of your score thing, uh, that versus the like when there are certain like brackets and if you score this much, it's X Y, or if you score this much, then you're a genius or whatnot. Like, do you? Uh, is one, I don't know if one's necessarily better than the other. Better is not the right word, but like, um, how oh, better
3: is a fine word. Better, <laughs> I have a strong opinions about this. So, better is a fine word. Beat, oh, um,
2: which one is your preference?
3: So, so, um, beat your own score solo uh-huh. is, is basically saying, uh, we didn't play this enough to know what a good score is it's just a confession it's like we don't know what a good score yep. is solo so beat your own score challenge yourself right um so having ranges shows that you know what a beginner scores and you know what someone who's really good can score so that right there is a a very very obvious indicator of how well people have invested their time in their solos right um so typically I will do at least, at least three, if not four sort of brackets Right. where one of those brackets is like a victory. Um, you know, you have to at least get this close and that's a victory. And then here, now you're just showing off and I bet you can't score this high. And I always include one that's like technically possible. Um, you know, I, there's some things that I, there, I, I did a game called Lagoon a long time ago. Um, And I still like literally once in my life have achieved the top level. And I think I cheated to get there. (laughs) It's so brutal. (laughs) Um, But it's just like, yeah, I mean, here, I dare you. I dare you to score the side. So at the very, very least, you need those ranges. Um, But the other thing that's nice is to put a some condition in place. So, okay, um, we're going to play this area control thing. we're going to stack uh seven little tokens here. You must upgrade your opponent seven times and still score 50. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we're going to, f- we're going to do something to like, you know, and that could be like one of the scenarios or like, that could be the advanced mode or, you know, that's right. the other thing I love is I love when they say, okay, you did that. Try this. I bet you yeah. can't still upgrade them seven times and win. You know,
0: uh-huh. I bet
3: you can let them start with three on the board and win. You know, so that's the kind of stuff that that really shows you understand your game. Uh-huh. As it's like, here's what would make this harder. I still dare you to score well. You know,
1: challenge issued. Mike yeah. Mullins designing Smack Talk, the game. Oh my gosh! Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
3: Someone someone wrote in a forum that the one of my solos was too easy, and I was like, "You're playing it wrong." <laughs> <laughs> I literally, that's my response. I was like, uh, I mean, one of my favorite games is Ghost Stories, which is just famously punishing. So, uh, you know, that, well, for, so my rubric is a new player shouldn't be able to win your, like, normal mode more than 40% of the time.
2: Oh, okay. Yep.
3: If they're brand new, they shouldn't be able to win most of the most of their games. Now, if they've played a few times, that, and the, the other thing is that number should be changeable right? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't matter how good they are, they're still going to win 40%. That's still not a good solo mode because then it's just Mm -hmm. about the tokens and the dice and whatever. And there's Mm -hmm. games like that that I play that it's just like, this is dice the game and it's a nice activity, but it doesn't matter if I'm rolling them or if they're, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So those two, those are the two rubrics is that it should start low-ish and Mm -hmm. it should be able to go up as my skill level goes up.
2: That makes sense. That's what we would would hope for the more you Yeah, for sure. Um, And so you mentioned like multiple, potentially multiple versions. Is that something Mm. having an an additional variant that designers should aspire to? Or is it, if you can, not, not, is having one- I think
3: aspire to is, a sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, Mm -mm. I think aspire to is a great way to phrase that because Mm. it's not required at all. Sometimes I'll I'll play a solo mode and they'll be like also try this and I'm like Meh, no like you know and but that's what variants are variants are like here also try this way so mm-hmm. it's not required um, but I I do think that solo players are the ones that are you know we, we talk about the the first play problem and the fact that your game might not get played more than three times ever right. because games solo players are the ones that are going to play it ten times. And so they are the ones that want goals and they want challenges. Um, I just got, what was it? Um, Oh my gosh. The, the kingdom rush game. um, First of all is super extra on purpose, right? There's all these minis and stuff and, but they have a map. So it comes with a map. And I don't know if you know that it's like, it's a game based on an app. Like the kingdom rush game is an app. So they have like, they have like the, you know, the three Mm -hmm. stars. And then like, if you beat it on heroic, you get like laurels. Well, literally, they ship you the game with a map with a sticker sheet. So when you beat it on three star difficulty, oh, you sticker wow. it. Wow. If you beat it on heroic, you put a crown over the top. And if you beat it on whatever, like iron or something, you put laurels around the number on the map. That it's just like my That's solo amazing. heart was just like, oh, and it's, it's co op too, but you know, it, that, that kind of stuff makes me want to come back and play it again. So, right. like, exactly. my goal right now is I want to beat everything three star and then go back. So I'm going to play that thing potentially like a hundred times just to like, Mm -hmm. uh, so solo players are the ones that are going to do those variants and they're going to try those things. So um, is it required? Absolutely not. A good solo mode will win over the hearts of your audience. If it's Mm -hmm. solid, that's all they care about. They want to be, um, they want to know that you put in the time and you understand your own game well enough to make a solo uh-huh. Um, but you can hook them and have them telling other solo players about it. If you can also do the hardcore challenge or you can do the, you know, whatever that, that's something that certainly, like you said, aspire though. It's not, it's not your primary goal.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. Um... That is a really good point though, Mike, that I just wanted to point out there that you were talking about. um We talk so much as designers about the first play problem, right? Of like, well, if the first time's not good, but, like, with solo games, if you get your butt kicked on the first time, I mean, it's no different than, like, a, a video game, right? To where you're like, no, I can do this. Like, I'm going to figure this out, right? Um, so that's – but I never thought about it that way, but that's absolutely true. Yeah. that Because solo gamers – I mean, essentially, whatever a solo game is, in my mind, it's still a little bit of a puzzle, right? Because, like, you are, mm-hmm. you are completely in control of everything you're doing in the game, and you are playing against – not another human right it's <laughs> so, yeah, like fundamentally yep it is yeah so it feels like you're solving a puzzle as you play it so um.
3: yeah and and the other part of the first play problem is that if it's not good you won't play. it's not just if i lose right if it's not good if it's not enjoyable i right, won't right. play it again <laughs>
0: it's bad and, I lose? and
3: again going back to solo players like there's there's some games that you play and i know they just didn't do a good job with the solo but like I'll assume that I did something wrong or had a bad experience. I'll play my solo games at least a few times to make sure that I got it right. You know,
1: that's fair. Yeah.
3: Um, so again, but that just speaks to if you're going to bring this game out and play it by yourself, you are going to really get the game. You're going to digest it. You're going to,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, there's very few solos that I played exactly once ever in my life.
1: Mm. Um, what, for those I won't ask what they were yeah, um, you shouldn't because
3: I don't want them anymore but,
1: but but I would be curious can you can you label like or pinpoint what the specific things were about any of those games that made you say no nope"? mm, because you're still sure. really forgiving with trying games multiple times oh for I sure yeah a I'm, lot of people. I'm very forgiving um, um so I would love to know what made you be like no not happening I'm out sure
3: sure um I mean there was a few that just like thematically or like sometimes the game is just not for you so we'll we'll put those aside right where it might be a fine game and it just didn't hit me right and so I'm gonna pass it along or donate it like let oh just unplug my mic because I'm so excited um Mm -hmm. let's assume that that's not the same category we're talking about we're talking about things that I didn't enjoy for another reason right Mm Mm-hmm um the first reason would be if it's just a clearly tacked on like there's three lines you can also play this solo how many points can you get it's like no that's (laughs) not a solo mode that's just like you you just realize that a one on the box sells games and you didn't make a solo mode Uh, and so um the other just terrible sin is when again it all comes down to designers playing their own game solo and knowing that this card's broken or this rule mm-hmm. does not work in solo oh. so if i hit a point in your game and i don't know how to resolve it and i have to like go online and i have to i mean that just shows me that you don't you didn't care enough to make this work yeah I, that's I, fair i and, and um you know they're they're I, I, again, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not a person that like throws any games under the bus, you know, um, someone right, right, can right. usually find something to love about every game. Um, but if it, if, if it doesn't work, if it just, you haven't played it enough to know that this rule is broken solo, mm-hmm. then I'm just like, well, I'm done with you then, you know? Well,
1: especially since, you know, I mean, the easiest games in the world to test solo games, right. in of the games with <laughs> blind test solo games because yeah. like they require exactly one person yeah so you know i mean but i i do think that you know it's we we see a lot of those trends on kickstarter where clearly people just start tacking crap on because they're like oh this sells right i'll print some minis because that'll make this go gangbusters even <laughs> right. though like the minis are unnecessary right and solo especially you know now i mean we talked to uh, a Kickstarter marketing expert uh, last week, uh, no, two weeks ago on the podcast. And and she said, like, games need a solo mode right now. Like, that's a big selling point. Like, you should make sure your game has a solo mode. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, her company, like, designs and develops stuff, right? So, like, they're into, of course, making that good, right? But Absolutely. I can see why it's so tempting for, for, for you know, you've got backers saying oh we really want this we really want this and you're like uh okay i threw this together right which is stupid if you're thinking about doing that just call mike and probably you should (laughs) hire him to do it for you and then it wouldn't be bad yay everybody wins well but i mean
3: that that goes back to the fact that you still don't know um you know who's doing your projects on kickstarter because there as much as there are some established people out there there's still plenty of people that are that are just dipping their toes in and um Mm -hmm folks know now how to hire the graphic designer get the good art and so it's much much harder to tell a good project from a bad project these days because people know where to splash the money around Mm -hmm. um and again i mean i'm not trying to you know uh, be negative here but um if you have an idea for a game and you think it plays well and your friends and family say it's good and you buy the art for it then you think oh i can make a solo mode too no problem and you just don't, you don't follow through. And, and, and that's where, um, you know, solo players are going to let you have it because, you know, um, they're going to play it more than anybody else. And <laughs> right, right, right. they will tell you why it's, why it's not good. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, don't, don't just, you know, don't just throw that together, do your homework and make sure that you're doing a good job with it. That's it. That's mm-hmm. important. Um, Yeah.
3: And and, I mean, the trend overall is fantastic. I love the fact that companies are realizing this is something I was saying five, six years ago, like, hey, you know, um, solo players will get you more backers, uh, you know, and um, I'm glad it's being recognized now, but it just needs to be part of the early design process. Like it's um, right. If you want to still fund those like extra components as a stretch goal, fine. You know, but you have that laid out before your Kickstarter, right? Um, so,
1: well, and I think again, like what you just said was, if you want to fund extra components to add a solo mode, that's different than saying, "Hey, if you back this game and we get to the stretch goal, we'll add a solo mode." No components, but we'll make rules. Like, dude, that was free. Like you already did that, right? Like <laughs> you're not just gonna do that after the fact, right? So, yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. I mean. I, I do believe that sometimes paying people for their time is undervalued, but in that scenario, they're not investing the time anyway. So we are just paying them for free <laughs> right. because yes. they're just going to yeah, slap the I mean, rules.
1: <laughs> but that is something that I didn't, you know, that you mentioned early on that it did not occur to me. The idea that like, um, that, uh, adding that extra stuff, just a little bit of stuff to say, Hey, like. We thought about this and we're willing to put more money into this to make this a valuable experience. Um, since margins are so tight in board games, right? Like when you say I'm gonna add five components to do this, like that's that's a big deal. I mean, if like you design something for Tagmeyer and he adds one card, like yeah. that's a lot, right? <laughs> like Yeah, absolutely. You know, you well, know, you're making it. He gives card me six, games, by the no way. way. He gives one. me six
3: cards. That's my that's <laughs> my you, he gives me six. That yeah. is
1: way more generous than i ever thought that's 33
3: percent of a wallet game so yeah he hooks me up dude (laughs)
1: wow imagine if that was like a big board game like you literally would be like i'm gonna need a separate box for the yeah (laughs) yeah i gotta
3: gotta thank him for that i gotta go back and apologize for complaining (laughs) but yeah and I, i think um to your point of margins being being so tight um the fact that the solo market is getting bigger and bigger. It's it's a worthwhile investment these days. And so yeah, you're saying, yeah. like, we are literally investing in the solo community and, and people recognize it. I mean, the solo players, you know, there's an incredibly active solo community on BGG and, you know, they do their top 100 solo games every year and they have solo design contests. And it's just, it's its a, it's, it's own entity now. It's, it's really mm-hmm. awesome to see. Um, you
2: had mentioned when it comes to, like, the solo design kind of should be something that's baked in early on how much of the (laughs) multiplayer design should be finalized or should they be done in tandem um before someone you know decides to make the solo mode
3: i don't believe they have to be done in tandem um most of the games i get to work on are done Mm -hmm. um and so I guess by early on I mean before it's forward facing, before you're showing okay. it to people, you know what I mean. So, um, you should at least be well into the development process before it, your Kickstarter goes up. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, sometimes the solo mode I, I have, I have accidentally changed. Multiplayer game rules because I came across <laughs> I came across a thing in my solo playtesting, and I was like, "Hey, I think this is broken." And the designer's like, "Oh my gosh, this is broken," you know. And so, um just one of those things that I can get so many reps in. I see so many cards. I see so many combos. So there is a, there is an advantage to to doing them together. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, you might design the perfect solo mode and be like, "Oh, by the way, I took out the reputation." What? No, you can't. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't want to say they have to be done in tandem. Um, you know, your your multiplayer mode should be basically done, but you can definitely find things out about your multiplayer mode that you might have missed because you're going to get so many reps in solo.
1: Gotcha. Okay. When when you take on like a gig for someone to to design a solo mode, um, do you ask a lot of upfront questions about like like for instance, like what are the key things about this game? that you feel have to be here or do you go on the feeling of, let me play your game, see what I think stands out and then focus on that. Mm-hmm. A, a
3: little of both. Um, I am a rampant egotist. So I think that I know their game better than they do. <laughs> <laughs> Which no, in some um... cases
1: is proven true.
3: Which <laughs> <laughs> once or twice. No. So um, here's my question. So I get a game and I say, okay, number one, um, do I have components to use or am I repurposing components? It's literally the first question I ask, um, because it tells me a lot of things. It tells me how invested they are. It tells me the kind of mode I can make, right? Cause sometimes if I'm just trying to like reuse cards, it, it constricts your design. So I said, first thing, can mm-hmm. I use other com- components? Um, second thing, how close to, this is back to your question, Raven, how close to the multiplayer experience do you want this to be? Um, they always say close, right? But I mm-hmm. wanna know if they say, I want this exactly replicated because now we're talking like automa level,
0: mm-hmm. right?
3: Or if they say, keep it as close as possible. That, Cause that's, those are different answers, mm-hmm. exactly the same and keep as close as possible are different answers. So those are the first two things I ask. Can I have stuff and what am I making here? Um, that sort of the next thing that I say is like, to to your question, Jason, is there something that I have to have? What does this game need? And, and I think I've gotten an answer to that. Like once most times they say, we'll just play it and then we'll talk um, because they, you know, if someone's coming to me, it's because they're not exactly sure what that's fair. Yeah. You know, if, if they knew the, the sort of like, like, like you call them those pinch points then they might not be coming to me in the first place. So um, I've gotten an answer to that one time where they say, you have to have the draft here. Otherwise it's not the same. I'm like, okay, cool. The draft stays. Um, so yeah, those were are the, those are like, my,
1: and then I took it out, but <laughs> <laughs> I
3: tried to trust me. I
1: tried to <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. did not go well. No, no, no. <laughs> What's on your list? Raven, anything I've, I've yet to answer on your list.
2: I'm looking at, I think we have covered most of my list. Um, This is pretty. Oh, okay. So we did talk about, um, I think we we touched on it, but if you have any more to say on the topic of, um, if the solo mode involves AIs, like having multiple AIs, whether it's like for different, just for variety or um, not necessarily different scenarios, but like they just play in different ways. Just your thoughts on on
3: that. Yeah. I mean, um, if you can do it, that is something that your players will love and respect. Oh. Um, one of the best examples I could think of that. And this is a solo that I tout whenever I can, because I, I just think it's so well done was Nat Levan's new Bedford. Um, so one of the reasons that I talk about it is the, the way so it is an area control game where you're where you're um not necessarily air control but uh, resource management you're buying buildings so you know you're choosing which buildings that you buy and then when you put the buildings into play etc so not area control but resource management and that kind of stuff yeah.
0: um
3: very Euroy, but the um as you do you place your workers it takes up spaces that's what i was trying to think of worker placement on area control right <laughs> um So what he did is he made a Rondell, which so new Bedford, it's like a whaling game. So the the Rondell is a captain's wheel and he, he he made a weighted die. So there's three ones, two twos and a three. So, you know, that he's probably going to do the next thing, but he could easily do the thing two down or maybe three down. So it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, he's probably going to build. And that reflects like, okay, this guy is sitting on a pile of resources. He's going to build next turn. Right. Um, And it's just incredibly well done. And then his rondelles are different for different captains. So if you're going to face this captain, he's going to go whaling all the time and he gets free coins to pay for those whales. If you go against this captain, he gets bonus points for buildings. It's just incredibly well done. Um, And he knows that I've told him so many times that his solo is just like legit impressive. Funny Um,
1: enough. He was the guest last week. Are you serious? That's amazing Him and Josh Mills (coughs) Oh, Mills? No (laughs) It's mostly Nat Nat. Oh yeah
3: The two of them are a great pair
1: Yeah, one is great and the other is awful So yeah (laughs) Raven, just so you know I'm actually friends with Josh We just give each other a lot of grief Just Uh, like Matt Riddle, him and I are also friends But we we publicly have a feud So it's not real
3: yeah. So the the other solo thing that, and this is like the exact, almost the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was saying having lots of different modes is awesome. Well, I just got uh genotype from genius games. I love all their sciencey stuff. Um, like I'm, I, I'm a anatomy teacher by trade. And so, you know, all these games are amazing to me and they have just a brilliant solo mode where, um you know it's action selection so you can uh you know change the genotypes that you're doing you can plant stuff you can draft plant cards you can get assistance etc and they have a deck of nine cards i think and you pull your first card and that tells you what action they take
0: mm-hmm. and
3: you pull the second card and it tells you where so it'll say like left middle or right that that way like the same action doesn't happen to the same spot by just pulling one card so that's already a cool little combo right and then you use those same cards. It'll have like arrows on it that tell you which of their like plant genes that they focus on tells you the same arrows, tell you which things they buy. Like those same cards are used for four different phases of the game. Incredibly well done. And depending on how they come up, Johan is the, is the gardener you're going against. Johan plays very different. I had, I <laughs> I mean, granted I, I did play one was on normal. The next one was to, was to hard mode, but like, It was like a 40 point jump between normal and hard, but it was also because he kept getting assistance. Like the number came up where he kept getting assistance, and that made this thing happen. And he crushed me. So, like, sometimes your game feels different because it feels different. You don't need the the extra player. So, just two examples on opposite ends of the spectrum that feel different. One, because it's baked in with with New Bedford, and the other, because the way the cards fall can make it feel so different. Okay.
2: Very cool. Listen, so you can get those feelings through different ways. Um,
3: and that's all about it's all about repeated plays, right? I mean, when you test your game a whole bunch of times, if you find yourself playing the same strategy every time, it's because your AI is cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. You know, if Yeah, that's a good point. if you have to if you realize like, "Oh my gosh, if I don't build this turn, he's, you know, that those spaces are that's what you want. You want to feel some pressure. You want to feel right. different pressure. Uh, so you'll know right away if you need to design different AIs because, you know, maybe every time, you know, like in, in your game, maybe every time you put out one token, you put out a second or you, you know, you, you, you put out only upgraded tokens or, you Mm -hmm. know, they just different ways you can apply pressure and it'll feel differently for each of the little different bots that you're going to play against. Sure.
1: um raven you got any other questions here or uh are we uh okay to to move on but if you have more questions mike will gladly answer them i'm sure so i do like to hear myself talk
3: so you know ask away
2: (laughs) Uh, i'd say my last question would be um if there's i we've already talked about i feel like a lot of good tips and pitfalls to avoid but if there's like one thing you could say people should definitely do or should not do when it comes to solo mode design, what would that be that we haven't really touched on?
3: One thing that we haven't touched on. <clears throat> um, I, the thing I think that everyone should do is to basically outline your own game. That's that's how I start. Mm. And I say, all right, here are the six phases in my game. Um only in these three phases do things happen that matter to my solo mode. Mm-hmm. And so in these three phases, I have to address them. And these other phases are cleaning up, and that's every I can just give them some coins here, whatever. What am I going to do that's interesting in these phases? Um, and that outline will guide the rest of your design. So that's, that's how I start all of my solo modes. And again, I'm trying to find those pinch points that I keep calling them. Right. I want to know where normal players screw with my, with my intentions. Mm-hmm. And that's where my solo mode should screw with it. Whether <laughs> it's just discarding random stuff or mm-hmm. acting like a player and building and, and whatever. Um, so that, that to me is, is, is a best practice of um, dissecting your multiplayer game first Mm-hmm. and understanding why it works. Why is this fun? Why do you like this? And that's the stuff that, that has to stay. Um, you know, all those moments where someone takes the spot you want and you go, "God, right? <laughs> that moment has to also be in your solo. Right. Like you right. want that bot to swipe that spot on turn seven. So you're just like, no, <laughs> like, that was 12 points. Why did you do that? You know, like that's uh-huh. the thing that you need. So you got to know where those moments are so you can recapture them got for the, for your – for your production. As far as what not to do um, resist the urge, even though I led with, you know, what components can I add, resist the urge to just add, 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 right. Uh, um, the, the more it, it, if you can make it simple yet robust, that's those are like the best adjectives I can apply to a solo mode, right? If it's easy for me to play as the player, but it gives me a robust experience, that is a huge compliment. And, and, um and so avoid that urge to just like, keep adding stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can always add it later if it feels, if it feels like it's not enough, if it feels, you know, incomplete. Um, but if you start, then it's hard to know what part of that is slowing you down.
2: Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Let's start with the Start simple, add on if if necessary, but try to.
3: Yeah. And I've even started with like completely truncated solo modes where um, I'll automate like phase two, the draft, Mm -hmm. and then I'll play the rest like against myself and just see if I made that draft work. Right. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to automate the building phase and Mm -hmm. see if now if I automate phase two and three, if it still works and I'll play the Mm -hmm. rest myself. And so you can even do it a piece at a time. You know, Don't be afraid to just build it like you build other games, right? Sometimes you you build things a part of the time and you can do the same with a solo mode. You don't have to build Rome in a day.
2: True. <laughs> it definitely didn't happen in a day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That definitely covers a lot of my questions about solo variants. I... I'm going to say that. No, definitely. I feel better about it. Um, it's going to take some time, but I feel a lot better about it now than I did about it prior to this conversation. I'm excited well, to God,
3: that's... start that process. So Jason, we were talking earlier about plugging stuff. I think the one thing I will plug is that I will do any kind of solo consults for any size donation to the Gervais Syndrome Foundation. So you just hit me up on Twitter at Blue Devil Duke. And say, here's what I'm looking at. What do you think? How would you do this? And, um, you know, or you can say, here's what I got so far. What do you think? You know, any size donation, I'll give you some feedback. So listeners out there, if you're looking for a little help with your solo stuff, ping me on Twitter and uh, and we'll we'll have a look together.
1: That is <clears throat> that is fantastic. And since you came on the show and consulted, uh, you send me the info. I will make a donation. Brilliant. Love it. Thank you so Just much. Because you uh, you did it. So, yes. I we'll do to you. Um yeah, no and that's I I I've I've heard about that uh, foundation before and everything from different things you know I've talked to you about so yes, obviously um if anyone's interested in that please check it out. It's worthwhile. And uh obviously as you can hear Mike is worth talking to. So um yes. <laughs> um so uh so, if you're so, shaking your head. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Raven was like, nah. nah he's yeah. all right um it was funny though because raven twice you i was like oh i got a good question and then you literally asked the question and then i was like so then i wrote the next one down. i was like oh i got another one and then it was like you asked like word for word i was like wow we are on the same wavelength here this is great um so uh so mike offered like i think i don't know if we talked about this before the show or during the show but we're gonna do a pitch uh where yeah we did talk into the show yes we we're gonna talk through um, we're going to talk through a game. I had a game in mind because I think it's one we've probably all played and it's uh, it's been out for quite a long time um, but I'm pretty confident there's not a solo mode. Uh, my thought was one of my favorite games which is Splendor. Um, I think Raven you've played this before yeah. and I'm guessing yeah. uh, Mike, I'm pretty confident you've played this. You've been mm-hmm. playing games for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. um, would, would you all be okay with us talking about that one? Yeah. I would, um, absolutely. I, I thought of the game ahead of time but put no thought into what we might do with it, because <laughs> I thought it was Mike's problem. <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh no!" we uh, yeah. together, and I was like, "Oh crap!"
3: All right. Well, for for the those listeners out there that don't know Splendor, so we don't waste our time talking about it, give them a quick rundown of Splendor.
1: Yes. So, real quick, uh, Splendor is a uh, it's. I like to think of it as like a pure engine building game. Mm. Uh, you've got a bunch of uh, you've got a bunch of gems that you can collect. You can pick up different amounts per turn based on the type you pick up. Uh, and then you use those gems to buy um to buy permanent gems basically for lack of a better term you buy different things like shipments and stuff and those turn into permanent gems uh which build your engine of different colors and then those permanent gems eventually will buy um, nobles or will not buy nobles but entice nobles to come right. visit you which will give you even more victory points some cards do have victory points but the way the game wins the way you win the game is by hitting i think it's 15 victory points 10 or 15 victory points i don't remember off the top of my head yeah, but I'm yeah so um but anyways so that is the simple rundown of the game it's it is a very simple game <coughs> you can literally teach it in like three minutes to someone mm-hmm. um and it's yeah so and like i said it's it's pure engine building which it's i think it's it's my favorite engine building game so mm-hmm. yeah
3: yeah it, it's 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 also just a great example of like if you want to show somebody an engine yes. building game yeah That's like that's when it's like here, it's so
1: just boiled down to its core, right? Of like this is how engine building works, (laughs) yeah. Even more so than like, um,
3: I do love the um, oh my gosh, Imperial Settlers, um, that's Mm -hmm. one that is a great engine builder as well. But it's a little more not like it's still fairly entry level, but Splendor is just like the perfect, like, here's an engine builder, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
3: All right, so let's do this. So, step one, what are the phases in Splendor. I'm trying to I'm trying so to think you, of
1: how you draft resources. General yep. generally your term, Oh, you can only do one thing per turn, actually. Ooh, so right. either yeah, so you can do one action. You can draft resources or you can buy something. Right. Um with your resources. Um uh, alternatively, you could also um, Getting a noble, I believe, is a free action once per turn if you have enough to do that. But there's only three in the game, so that's, that doesn't happen very often. Right. right. Yes.
2: And then you can reserve um, right? ones too, which I know people have mixed oh, feelings yeah. about people who reserve and people
1: who don't reserve. But. My wife and I literally only spite reserve. It's like, oh, oh, are you are going to take that? Nope. Like I can see <laughs> which card you're going to go for. I'm just going to take it. Uh, but that's, We're I mean,
3: that's, mean, half mean the, that's half the fun as the spite yeah. reserve. Absolutely. We,
1: I only enjoy that game as a two-player game. So that's why I'm interested in <clears> the <throat> idea of a solo mode.
3: <laughs> oh, for sure. There's some games that, that the, the, Limited control that you feel when it's a three or four player count really takes away from the game. I mean, the fact that you can control so much of the game state, but your opponent can really needle you. Like, that's what's that's what's brilliant about Splendor for me. Yeah. Um, So there's not several phases. There's like one primary action phase. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you would need to do is decide how that player is going to either draft or buy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that I would say they do that is by cheating and they do both. Um, So they're going to cheat right now. They're not going to score differently than us too, but I would make them cheat.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, So we would need something real simple. And what what I would probably do is um, like a a separate draw bag, you know, a little, little cloth bag or something like that. You Mm -hmm. throw some gems in there. Um, you pull a gem and then you take the one that would give them the most gems of that color. That's what you draft. Um, And so then that's, that's what I would start. Like if I do that, does that work? Or is that too, you know, um, does that get me what I want? Does that establish the effect I want for drafting? Um, And then same thing for the, for the buy something, we could probably do buy something without additional components we could do a second we could do a second gem poll and then you just buy like the how are those valued i forget how do you pay
1: yeah so you there's so there's three different rows the first row is the cheapest mm-hmm. um and that provides you know generally it will it'll provide one permanent gem usually no victory points yeah um and then the next one will provide um generally victory points um and then you know a gem
3: right um, or yeah a, a thing yeah right. yeah yeah
1: so i mean it could be in this might be a little too much to think about but it could be that the they will buy the um the best thing they can like the highest level thing they can afford of the color they have the most of the least of sorry and you just pick if you know yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you could be super spiteful and say of the color you have the least of, they will always buy the color you have the least of uh. um, or something mean like that. But that might be too mean. <laughs> I'd be like <laughs> playing with my wife. So <laughs> I do it too.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. So I mean,
3: and basically now, I mean, you're already seeing it sort of fall into place, right we're gonna we're gonna have them pull resources. we will track their resources so as a player, I can look at what they might be likely to do um, right um because they're gonna be scoring so quickly, I would either make this a like a score target thing and they're just like plowing through and you know, or I would like devalue like they're only gonna score on their first what, you know, they might, they might score too quickly. Right. If they're if like, they, they might both. need
1: extra victory points to win or something. If you need 15, maybe they need 20 or something. Sure. Or,
3: or yeah, you just, um, or they don't count their, you know, they don't count permanent gems on cards at the end of the game. Or, you know, it's easy to, to write that right, rule right. where, where you only count X, you know, um, if they're, but I would want them to do both each round because otherwise it would be hard to track which one was which. And that way you're changing the game state. Like I said, I just want to mess with the player as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, Would it
1: be changing the game state too much to have it be that you also could do both? Like you can draft and then you could buy if you wanted the, what I think of with that is like the turns go very fast back and forth, especially if you're playing two player with people who've played it before or even more people who've played it before. Um, I would be concerned that it could get way slowed down if I draft my stuff and then wait, like, and then have to do all their actions and then draft my stuff. And then, you know, especially yeah. some turns, you'll be drafting multiple times, like three turns before you can actually buy something, uh-huh. um, which could be bad about what if, what if there were triggers in place so that like every time you purchase something right, that tricks the, that can, that, clicks the AI to then take an action, right? Like it it takes a, another action.
3: Yeah. Or you can also have, you know, when they have, uh, when any of their stacks gets to X, they just buy something. So when any of your stacks get to three or four or whatever they buy, um, Mm -hmm. that's good. You know, um, the other thing you can do is, and this is where, you know, we're just designing with the components that they have, right? Mm -hmm. If, If I were designing this from the ground up, then I would want to do this with a small deck of cards um, because you can make a a nice clean one where some turns they only draft, some turns they cheat, and they do both. Mm-hmm. You know, some turns they just get a card for free. You know, you can you can really um, you can have the the card grid on your on your you know you have the the board layout on the cards, and so like, they're going to buy this upgrade if they can afford it you know, and then move to the left or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um So this one for me, if I were to do it with extra components, I would do it with a deck of cards. Gotcha.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That would be,
3: uh, that'd be my pitch. I think this is, this is doable though, with the, with the components in the, in the box.
1: But yeah, I mean, why not add an extra deck of cards? You get a hold of the publishers of that and say, listen, I want you to sell <laughs> this deck of cards.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't have, I mean, it could be, it could be just a handful, you know, you, you, Every time you only need six cards, the deck runs out. You shuffle it. I, I like limiting. Right, right. I like limiting those decks because then you know, all right, that that like double buy thing is already gone. So I'm probably safe if I don't buy this round. You know, I love the right. slowly acquiring information kind of angle uh, because in a two player game. I'm watching your stack grow. I know what you're going to try to do, or I have an idea, right? Mm-hmm. So I would consider that to be um, sort of a pinch point where, if I if my strategy is too obvious, then they'll. So maybe there's a card in the deck that says, "Buy the thing that you have the most gems of." Uh, the player has the most gems up, right? Because you sat on that stack too long and they bought it under, from uh-huh, under you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so those pinch points are, are sort of where I would where I would zoom in. But yeah, totally doable.
2: And then awesome. how... That I, was
1: oh, easier than I would have thought. Sorry, Raven, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, when it comes to like, um, typically with Splendor and, you know, keeping track of resources and using them to buy things, for the AI, is it... How important is it to for the player to manage that in this hypothetical solo mode or would it be okay to just say you know that i can just grab from the first row the most powerful one or whatever and just have the resources as like a holding it and then when you get three or more you know put them back yeah
3: or- i i would probably make them able to buy freely because mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't want to design the uh, this one definitely we're, we're going to stay away from automa right with splendor you don't want to think too much you want this to be easy right, right, right. so you make little stacks of chips mm-hmm. and then when a chip hits that certain stack then that, that counts and they get this right? right so yeah you're absolutely right i wouldn't track them as real resources
0: mm-hmm.
3: they're drawing like powers right okay oh my gosh right. their reds getting high they're gonna buy and you know um so yeah you're you've you've absolutely caught on that. No, don't track the resources. <laughs> they're they're powering their turns, right? So the resources in that respect, but they're not true. Mm-hmm. Like we're not doing we're not doing the math. We're not making them actually afford that,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know. Um, and in in other games, absolutely, you know, I, I mentioned that genotype game. The the guy who's buying upgrades, he has to be able to pay for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's built in. and some difficulty levels, he gets extra coins every round, so he can buy every whatever he wants. And the early games, it If he's, if he can't afford it, he doesn't get it. So easy mode is easy because he doesn't get lots of upgrades. So Mm -hmm. uh, tracking the resources can also be a way that you moderate the difficulty, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe on easy, he has to be able to pay for whatever uh, Mm -hmm. is obtained, you know, but then when you get harder and harder, it's just a, just a trigger. Like you can buy whatever, (laughs) you know, it doesn't matter.
2: Gotcha. That makes sense.
3: That was a good one though, Jason, because it the the game you picked afforded the opportunity to talk about both designing with just the available components uh-huh. and what would we do otherwise. I like that. That's a good a good choice.
1: Mm-hmm. Thanks. I'd like to say that that was my plan, but I really was just like, oh, this is a fun game. We probably all played it. Let's see if we can do that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, now I'm like, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to write up my like splendor solo at some. I, thought, I you know, I guarantee, I'll just, I guarantee, if you go on BGG right now. Someone has solo rules
0: on DGG no,
1: right. for Splendor. Not nearly <laughs> so. as good as the ones that we just came up with. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the no the twenty
3: four percent of a game we just made.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh,
3: no, but I think, uh, but it, I think you see the idea. I mean, you uh-huh. you know, it's the first time we did it together, but like we found out where the the stress is and we talked about the things that we do to each other. We reserve, we spite reserve and we buy cards out from each other and and that's the stuff we want to recreate. So you get the idea. You are, you're, you're professionals. Now you don't need me anymore.
1: (laughs) I I will (laughs) say that so many of the, so many of the things you pointed out just like where you said, okay, this rules out doing this, like, like we'll just freely buy instead of having to track coins. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd have thought of that a long time ago when I was trying to work on solo modes for games. Like, just that simple, like, that simplest thing of just like, that's too hard to track. Just don't do that. You know? <laughs> just let it I mean, buy freely. Like, oh, <coughs>
3: man. <laughs> well, so there you go, Ravens. You were asking earlier for best practices. AIs cheat. That is best practice. Let them cheat. Um, yeah, that's, because, that's good. Because, oh my gosh, don't try. It's just a huge pain. I don't want to do it. Mm. You know? I, and it also raises the difficulty level artificially or Terrible. you know or organically I guess whatever i don't know it happens automatically <laughs> some some adverb <laughs> it raises the difficulty with an adverb <laughs> but yeah it's it, it took me a while to you know cuz you want them to play by the rules but it's right. a fake person it doesn't have to play by the rules just give them a card and they score it
2: that makes sense. Uh, definitely, I can see it taking a minute to get like to be okay with that. But hearing <laughs> it, going through it, it makes sense. It just it's easier for the player, and don't want it to be a, a, cop, yeah. a complicated experience to play all solo Well,
3: and, and and what it comes back to is, does it matter if they pay for it, or does it matter if now they have more points than you and that card's off the board? What mm-hmm. matters is the second thing. That's all that matters is they put pressure on you. So it doesn't matter how I get there. So I'm going to get there in the easiest way possible. And the easiest way possible is I'm going to use triggers and indicators and not count up all those resources. Right. Because all I want is for them to put pressure on me as a player.
1: That's really good.
3: They're both nodding in case you're wondering why it's quiet. They're both just nodding. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's
1: just like, oh,
3: that's smart. Awesome. Oh, that was the last one. Okay. We're, we're good now. <laughs>
1: Oh my god. <laughs> well all right. We should uh we should probably uh wrap this up here. This has been a long one, but this was really enlightening and I That's I funny. super had a great time um so thank you, Mike, for joining us. Thank you, Raven, for thinking to invite someone to talk about solo games because this is really fun. This is yeah, great. I'm, thank you
3: so much. I'm super honored to be the one that you brought on. And Raven, your questions were amazing. They show that you are well on your way to putting a solo mode together because asking the right questions goes so far. I'm not, you know, I'm not just trying to flatter the host here. Like you're thinking about exactly the <laughs> that right will get things. You a long ways, though. Oh my gosh! Yes, I love flattery. Yeah, um, but no. Asking the right questions means that you are doing your due diligence, and I'm excited to see what you come up with. So
2: awesome! Well, thank you so much for your answers. It's definitely your insights are definitely gonna help as I put this together. Whatever it ends up turning out to be, but
3: yeah, yeah. And like I said, ping me on Twitter or shoot me an email, and and we'll uh, we'll run through our solo stuff together.
2: Awesome. We'll do.
1: Awesome. Well, listeners, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, We appreciate it. Hopefully you found this as enlightening as we did. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can always find us at buildofthegamepodcast.com. Check out our Discord channel there. It's a great place to come hang out with us on Discord. Uh, You can also, of course, find us on the Twitter. Uh, The podcast is at PodcastBTG. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Raven is at Raven McKenzie. So close. There's an underscore in there. There's an underscore. Yes, Raven yes. underscore. underscore McKenzie. Raven McKenzie. Ah, <laughs> yes. Damn underscores. <laughs> Every time. So at Raven underscore McKenzie. Uh, uh, and Mike, as he mentioned before, what'd you say?
2: At underscore Raven McKenzie.
1: Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the underscores are the oh, bane.
1: So, so go to Twitter and type in the search Raven McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> it come right up. I promise. Oh, um, but uh, also Mike is, uh, as he mentioned before, he is at Blue Devil Duke. Uh, see, no underscores or weird things that are hard to remember. Um, so. There we go. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, and until next time, good night. Good
3: night.
1: Good night y'all. Building the game which isn't in friends, which isn't in friends. Building the game, building the game which isn't in friends, which isn't in friends. Dial 770 kill bggg. Please don't use the email